What's up? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm an artist and a designer and the founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. And this is the Art Pays Me podcast. I love talking to creative people about their business, their successes, their challenges, and how they make the world a better place with their work. Let's get into it. Welcome to our Pays Me. Today we have Bruno Capigna. I think I got it right. Did I get it right? I hope so. Close. <laughs> Capigna. Oh, okay. All right. So, Bruno, uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, I'm a new fan. I really loved your, your music. Uh, Thank you. And... Uh, yeah, but you, you'll probably do a better job of explaining what it is that you do. But So, yeah, what is it that you do? Basically, I'm a singer-songwriter, singing and writing in Portuguese, um, Brazilian Portuguese, writing my own songs. And I'm also a very extravagant performer, as people like to say. So when I'm on stage, I like to dress up with some costumes. People are like, wow. <laughs> okay and it, would you say that's like a reflection of your culture it seems very colorful in brazil yes but it is not it's a reflection of my culture but only for women you know uh-huh. um, brazilians are not used to see someone who is not a woman doing what i do even like mm-hmm. outside of Brazil, people expect if you talk about Brazilian music, you know, they expect a beautiful woman singing bossa nova, you know. And I like to say I'm pretty. I like to think <laughs> that I am. Yeah, I'm yeah. Woman, you know, so. Yeah, hey, uh, no, I, I like that. I like that. Uh, it's um, it's it's very interesting how that that plays out i've I've been uh looking at uh some of the stuff i've seen uh from brazil and yeah i didn't really pick up that detail like it is tend it does tend to be more so the women that uh that that do represent color in that that way yeah especially because the carnival you know Mm -hmm. the color the colors it's you know it's very colorful but it's also very much about sex you know and body and all that and I remember maybe like beginning of the 90s it was still possible to see men naked during carnival and now it's not you know it became a taboo and still okay for women to be but not a man mm-hmm. I find it which is like the opposite of social media pretty much you know the opposite of Instagram all the guys are like shirtless pretty much yeah. naked sometimes and women cannot show much you know cannot show like a, a nipple <laughs> yeah they'll be banned from the platform so right right so you're you're currently based in canada how what led you to canada um i would say i was just in search of who i am or who i was at the time i came in 2002 I decided to move out of Brazil, away from Brazil in 2001, mm. uh, right after, I think, 9-11. Um, I was born in a very repressive society and also family, and I was bullied a lot. Uh. I was young in school and everywhere. And that's pretty much the reason why I was you know, inclined to leave. And then I decided to come to Canada one week before I moved to Canada. So I was just like, I had to go somewhere. Um, I had to go somewhere to study English at the time. There was like the idea, you know, behind my escape. That's what I told my family that I wanted to learn English to leave Brazil. And then Canada was like pretty much the place that seemed right for me at the time, I didn't know anyone. I had no family, no friends. And it was the completely opposite of where I'm from. Where I'm from is always 30 degrees all year round. And Canada seemed to be like 
you know, the completely opposite and proven yeah. to be the completely opposite. So I was very fascinated by the idea of going to cold, far away from home. Right, right. Cool. Uh, and you've always sort of been music. Did like, did you have a musical aspiration when you moved? Yes. Um, I started writing when I was 14, probably 15. And then I moved when I was 19. At the time, I didn't have a career. So it was okay. just, you know, me singing in the bathroom and um, playing the guitar at home by myself in my bedroom. And then when I moved to Toronto, I started going to open mics. So that was my career start, you know, mm -hmm. just playing my bossa nova style guitar and singing. Very much amateur at the time. And those places are pretty much dominated by, you know, white indie pop rock type of crowd. Yeah. And it was like the weird, there was another name that people used for me to describe me. But yeah, it was like the weird thing happening at the time in Toronto. <laughs> Something tells me though that you you kind of like that. Do you, do you do you like being like the weird person or or is that Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it because you know, you you inspire people to also maybe be who they're meant to be, you know? Because mm -hmm. there are a lot of people out there who are just afraid of being themselves, you know? And I also have a lot of fears myself as well. And I understand that, you know, um, it's part of everyone's journey, life, you know, decision to come out or to be weird or to be, you know, whoever they want to be. But we are very repressive, you know? repressed yeah. by society and for me i think it's a political act to be myself to be who mm -hmm. i am and i love it i i've been sort of looking at that too uh with my art anyway i've been realizing that maybe the art i make is trying to help me be more comfortable with who i am and uh confront some things that i've been uncomfortable with uh for instance, even like male nudity is something I included in one of my pieces recently. And it's something that I had always avoided other than when I was in class and I had to do it. And, uh, you know, it was like, what was I afraid of all that time? And, and I'm really confronting it uh, in, a, in a big way. And it's interesting what you learn about yourself when you do stuff like that. Yeah, when you yeah. go out of your comfort zone, you know, and push beyond fear i yeah. think it is important to do that because you never know what you're going to get you know where you're gonna be in a year or two or, or like how much time you have in life to do the things that you want to do and sometimes we don't because we fear repercussion or because we fear that people um like our peers or people close to us are going to make fun of us or not going to understand or it can even be something that, you know, like a career move that you yeah. fear that you're going to lose followers or you fear that people are going to um, hate it, you know, mm -hmm. and you never know until you do it. So, yeah, you don't, you don't. So what part of Brazil did you grow up in, actually? I was born in Bahia, in oh. Salvador, which is the black realm of, you know, the globe, of the planet is... Um, a place more than 87% of the population um, is black, you know, so it's the little Africa outside of Africa. Yeah, I found that interesting. I did a little bit of uh, like digging and um, it, there were some people who actually consider it Africa. Like they're just like, yeah, we're Africa or it's like, maybe we're not Africa, but like Africa is here. I've heard like sentiments like that. And um, it was it was actually kind of heartwarming to to see that like, uh, I'm from Bermuda and in a lot of ways we get pretty disconnected from mm -hmm. those uh, those roots. So it was nice to see, to see that. 
so so clear. Yeah, yeah it's very when you get to Bahia, you like right away you feel like you're somewhere very different than anywhere else in Brazil, you know. And even though it's a it's a very Afro-Brazilian um, state, there's still a lot of racism, a lot of pain related to the past. As you know, Brazil was the last country to abolish slavery. And it was the number one country in numbers of enslaved people from Africa. So the history is there, the history of pain is there, the history of, you know, oppression is still there. It's still mm -hmm. very present and you get to experience that. But also we have the culinary, you know, the arts, the music is very influenced by Africa. It's very influenced by the African diaspora. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Is uh, Capoeira from uh, yeah, Bahia? Bahia, exactly. Yeah, it's ah uh, okay, cool. Uh, it's it's one of my favorite martial arts actually. So I I didn't, I didn't know that. Uh. Yeah, and I grew up the the apartment that I used to live as a kid was next to a capoeira house. You know, so uh. here I would go to. I was always very afraid of, <laughs> you know, being a part of it, because I I broke a lot of bones growing up, sure. and as an adult actually. I fell from my bike three times in Toronto and I broke oh. my hand twice, my left hand. So I had to stop playing guitar for a while because of that. Right. So I'm very clumsy. Yeah. You know, when it yeah. comes to that stuff. But it's beautiful. It's it's so beautiful to watch. Yeah, yeah. So um did you playing guitar? Did you is that something you taught yourself or did you go to lessons for that? No, I taught myself. I tried to go to the conservatory in Toronto, the music conservatory, the Royal Conservatory of Music. Yeah. But I hated white men telling me what to do. So I just <laughs> drop out after a week. So no, thank you. Right, right, right. And so, it wasn't even good. You couldn't yeah. play Bossa Nova <laughs> guitar. So. so you're like, yeah, I'm better off just doing this on my own sort yeah. of thing. Pretty much. You keep you keep a certain level of uh, rawness when you do that. How are you actually? Did you um uh have anything to do with the production on this album? Yes, I was the co-producer, the executive producer. I took care of you know all the finance and also the vision for the album. Um, the first idea for this album it, it came from a dream that I had okay. during the pandemic during COVID of two black men, enslaved black men in a, in a slave ship from Africa to Brazil, you know, that yeah. itinerary, and they fell in love, you know, out of this, some, something so traumatic and destructive and horrible um, came something of that kind, you know, of me thinking about a love that happened during that time. And then from that image, from that picture that I had in my mind, I wanted to bring all the percussions that you hear on the album. Um, most of the songs are inspired by the theme of love and pain. Mm -hmm. So I would say the production started with that idea mm. in mind that I wanted to make sure that it was translating to the music. Right. So you mentioned, uh bullying and all that kind of stuff happening to you uh do you find and this is something that you know i i feel in my culture as well too like from bermuda is like this uh certain level of traditional masculinity and and what that looks like how that presents itself and if you don't present that you can become a target is that something that you felt was was an issue yeah, and I still feel like that too, you know? Hmm. Even today. Even in Canada, even today, you know? Hmm. Of course, like today, like I pay my bills, you know? I am who I am, and no one can tell me how to live my life. But at the same time, I do feel like I am sometimes people see me as less than them. 
because they're straight, because they have, you know, that protected masculinity, mm-hmm. that masculinity that's still intact because they they can just have sex with a woman, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up, of course, there was way more traumatic because it wasn't protected by my confidence. You know, yeah. the confidence that I have now kind of protects me from the bullies out there. But I'm still aware of, you know, what can happen with the LGBTQ people in Canada, what can happen, you know, with queer people everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's still happening. Um, we've seen what's happening in the US right now. Yeah. Don't say gay. Like yeah. I'm aware that it's still that, and it's something that I have always to be. I got to be vigilant. Of. Yeah, yeah. The, that's the interesting thing about uh, Canada and the U.S. And to some degree, is that a lot of these things are there, but people have this political correct thing where they won't necessarily reveal it. But now it seems like that the facade is is dropping a lot more. Yeah, and if, even if you see with, if you look at Brazil and the US, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with Trump and Bolsonaro in Brazil, a lot of the people who voted for Bolsonaro, a lot of the people who voted for Trump, um, a lot of them are just waiting for their moment where they saw someone like them, you know, and they voted for, and now they're just showing their true colors, you know, they're true. showing they hateful um how you know like divisive um all society can be because of the people who support trump and Bolsonaro. Mm-hmm. and yeah we all coexist with everyone else who think different than us mm-hmm. but also with everyone else who hate themselves because you've got to hate yourself to vote for someone like bolsonaro yeah or trump yeah Interesting, right? Like <laughs> they would then, but they lack the self-awareness, I think, to necessarily even recognize that, I think. Um, so the title of your album is uh, Tara Rara? <laughs> if not... Yeah, Tara Hara. Tara Hara. <laughs> well, tara, in Portuguese, it would be Tara Hara. Tara Hara. Okay. Uh, and that's uh, Rare Desire in, in English. Um, yeah. and, and I'm guessing that... Uh, it translates to basically what we were just talking about, like this this idea of desiring something that is not necessarily accepted. Yeah, and it's it's something that's bigger than life, or bigger than everything else that we're talking about. Oh, okay. Because like when you love someone, when you discover love, a true love, like everything else in life is, you know, it's not important anymore for a moment, you know, and from, as I said before, from that image of, you know, the two men meeting in their mm-hmm. circumstances of, you know, pain and torture. Um, if a love can be born from that, you know, we can envision anything else happening in life that can take us out of this. So it's even related to COVID, you know, because it is a very optimistic album. It's mm. a very um, feel good type of music and I wanted to make this album that way because of COVID because I want to, right. I want us to you know to feel like we still have something to look forward to despite everything that we saw and everything that we've been through especially BIPOC you know black people as we saw what happened to George Floyd in the US during COVID you know yeah. like all that it was definitely something that played a big part of my artistic decisions, I would say, for the album. How did you feel with that? Like, did you, did it like sort of immediately inspire things or did you have maybe a, like a downtime where you were like, oh man, the world just is crazy. Like, it's like, how was it for you? I had definitely had a downtime when it mm. felt like I couldn't leave the house. First of all, I couldn't leave the house because of COVID, but <laughs> yeah. you know that it that I, I didn't feel safe, you know. Mm. And I've been I, I've been followed by police in Toronto before sure. my neighborhood. When I go to the you know drugstore, 
the security is always following me when I enter or being approached by white supremacists in Toronto, neo-Nazis in Toronto before. So for me, like with COVID, seeing what was happening, seeing that, you know, impacted the most vulnerable first, impacted black people, indigenous people the most, brown people the most. So for me, I, it just, I was very angry at the mm. time, you know, I was full of hate the beginning of it but i knew for one second i realized that if i let it destroy me destroy my conscience destroy who i am that hopeful part of me you know it just woke up mm-hmm. and then i woke up to the notion that despite everything one thing that they cannot have is my mind you know you can take everything away from me but you can take my mind away Mm -hmm. and then i can make the i can control the narrative of it Mm -hmm. you know despite everything i know that can seem like it's a utopia you know but at the same time that it's what life is you have to make something constructive out of something destructive Otherwise, mm-hmm. you, the only thing you have left is destruction. Yeah, true. I think that's where I was. I, I had a point where I was thinking, what's the point of art and all of this stuff? But that is it right there. It's like it's that opportunity for hope and positivity to help guide people's minds out of this dread that we were all surrounded by. Uh, Still... Especially when you're still alive, you know. Yeah, we, we have. Um, I think with COVID, I learned that, that every day was as important as the day before. Mm. You know, and every day I woke up to myself not having COVID, not being in the hospital, mm-hmm. you know, not being sick. Um, I lost a lot of people close to me to COVID. Um, And then it was very hurtful seeing people denying it, seeing people downplaying it, Mm -hmm. all of that stuff. You know, I lost my stepfather to COVID, I lost friends to COVID. And I know that from the beginning, from April 2020, I knew it was real. Mm -hmm. I knew there was no doubt this thing was real. Yeah. And then from that moment on, I realized, you know what? I am here, I'm alive. I gotta do the right thing. I gotta do what I can, you know? I gotta do what I can for the collective mind as well. Yeah. And that's it. That was my guidance. Mm. Right. Much. Yeah. Survival mode, you know? Yep. Much. Yep. Yep. So, um, and with the, with the, the video that you did, um, I know I can't pronounce it. <laughs> it's it's one with the waterfalls and, yeah. and music. So Try, I'm not it. Even... <laughs> Try it. <laughs> Don't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, Kal- Kaluga. That's that's good. Close. Coquer. 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 Luga. Okay. You know what? I I Portuguese is the second most speaking la- spoken language where I come from. I should know some Portuguese, and I I don't. Mm. It's sad. It's, it's very sad you shouldn't have told me that uh but that said like you know it's it's not necessarily spoken to us or taught in school they we actually they taught us we had to do french and spanish in school so mm-hmm. eh, that it should have been portuguese uh well, but yeah what's what's the story about the video so the video with them and Chapada Diamantina, it's a place, is in the country side of Bahia, it's like deep into the, the state of Bahia. And it's, uh, it's just so beautiful. It's full of waterfalls and caves. And so we went there, I decided to film that. I decided I want this music video to be filmed in Chapada Diamantina. And I just gathered a small crew, me and four other people, we went there, we hiked for like three hours to get to the top of a waterfall. You know, wow. we, we, we hiked to get to the bottom of a cave for like 
three hours as well. So it's beautiful, but it was very challenging. Definitely one of the most challenging experiences I had in my life. Um, but yeah, it's, it's exactly what I wanted. I wanted to be surrounded by nature. I want nature to be also one of the characters in the video. So it's me and Douglas, me and someone else, but it's also me, Douglas and nature. You know, there's the three elements of the music video, mm. the three main um, actors. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I would have never guessed that uh, you went through all that to film because you both seem so like relaxed and, and uh, <laughs> it chilled out. <laughs> well, if I tell, I can tell like one story that it's like, I'm not going to tell the details, but yeah. the first day of shooting, we are supposed to go up to, the, to one of the mountains that opens, when you see the opening of the video, you see like the drone come in and you see like us. Yeah. So that was like the first day. And before we went up, before we got up to the mountain, I was very sick. Oh. I was so sick. I had to go to the bathroom. I'm not going to tell the details, but it was horrible. <laughs> and then when we got to the top of the mountain, I... Going up, I thought, you know what? That was great because I'm feeling much better. I have released everything that I have to before we go up. But when we go up, I was still sick. So oh. we had to improvise a bathroom up there for me. <laughs> because it was, <laughs> was crazy. But I also felt like someone told me that there was probably some spiritual experience you know mm -hmm. um, like releasing things and making sure that i got you know um, blessed by the place that we we're filming mm -hmm. and i believe that i believe that i believe there was definitely an energy that and the second day i was much better so we're filming three days and there's a i think towards like the middle of the video you see like me inside of a cave Mm -hmm. like afar and then you see like me singing up close that's inside of the cave and it was crazy like just getting there was insane that cave you can walk under for i think five kilometers okay that's side. wow so yeah it was quite something and i'm very fearful of that type of experience you know like walking down the cave or um being like next to the cliff of a waterfall. Mm -hmm. Petrified of the experience, but I had to push myself. Mm. Mm. That's that's uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a, I'm not a heights and even the cave thing. Yeah, uh, claustrophobia. No, no thanks. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. Oh. I I had to do it. Like at moments, I felt like I was gonna pass out. I was sweating so much mm. and because of the fear. Yeah. And then, and then when we got to this, the scene where you see us on top of the waterfall, you see the waterfall, you see like a little rainbow in there. So a week before we got there, we found out that a French uh, tourist had jumped off the cliff a week before we were there. Wow. And that is like, if you jump off the thing, you don't even make it down. <laughs> like in like intact because it's so tall to get down wow. there it takes like i think two weeks almost to get to the bottom of it so oh it's really it's quite something yeah is that is that a place where people do that kind of thing sort of commonly i don't think so i think it was mm. just like the pandemic you know covid mm. just dropped people going crazier yeah <laughs> We were already crazy before, but I think now everyone is definitely crazy. Yeah, yeah, everyone. yeah. If you're not, you, I'm sorry, but you will be soon. <laughs> Unrelated. It's something that I've always wanted to ask a Brazilian. Uh, Brazil, just everybody there seems to be so beautiful. How How is that? What's it like growing up? Is it like when you like, you just, you get numb to that? Or is it? 
you know, what, what's, what's that like? Is it, is it hard to resist everything, you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, it's very normal to us okay. that we're beautiful. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> you know, um, actually that's the thing, like Brazil is, that's actually a very good question. Um, because Brazilians, they also have a very um, much, we have the very much the same standard of beauty that we have here in Canada mm -hmm. or in the US, you know, like what is considered beautiful um, to me at least, maybe it's not celebrated by everyone in Brazil, you know, the, oh. the beauty standard is very much inspired by what we see on Instagram and on social media, you know? Um, so like a black woman may not be celebrated as much as a white blonde woman, you know? Brazilians uh -huh. love the blondes and, you know, uh, for guys it's, it's the same, like, you know, the perfect body, the perfect, you know, the blue eyes and that. I would say that now, um, people are getting a little bit more diversified mm. when it comes to that in Brazil. At least like the people around me, mm -hmm. my friends, are much more um, open-minded or I guess a little bit better than, you know, yeah. think outside of the box as well when it comes to that. So yeah, but it's, it's definitely a country of a lot of beautiful people. Uh. Yeah, that's that's something that always sort of stuck out to me. Uh, it's cool that actually, I, that's funny. I haven't really. I don't think it, you might be the first Brazilian person I've actually talked to, which is oh yeah, odd. yeah. <laughs> well, it's so special now. Yeah, and <laughs> and the other thing is like you know football is such a big part of Bermuda yeah. culture, and um, Brazil was just one of those teams that everybody talked about. Like Pele was a just someone that was part of the the thing for me growing up uh people talking about and uh yeah so um with uh with, with all of that said um i understand that it was very important for you to have um certain like gender representation and certain um racial uh it, um representation in your in the production of your album is mm -hmm. why was that so important in in this case i think for me, it was always about finding the talents, you know? Okay. But when I started looking for uh, BIPOC musicians, for Black, you know, brown people, indigenous people, uh, queer musicians in Toronto, it was very hard. It was really? very, yeah, it was challenging, for sure. It wasn't easy. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, I would ask a friend, a musician friend, they'd be like, um let me think about it and if i would ask for just like any musician they will always you know refer me to a white person mm. you know it's like the default i think that's what people need to understand it's not that i don't like white people it's not that you know mm -hmm. um it's that the, it's the whiteness is the default so if you're looking <laughs> for a musician it'll be a white musician and when I found the people that I found to play, I got a comment from one of them in the studio. Uh, I think it was a partner, the violin player, the first violin in the album. She told me that there was, she felt so emotional in the studio because I had the ideal, the ideal team, or the ideal picture of what diversity should be like. You know, mm -hmm. and that for me was the best thing I could hear. Any any other reviews on the album won't talk that, you know, because mm. she felt like she was playing with the people that she should be playing with. She she saw herself reflected on, you know, what I was doing in terms of finding the people who were, you know, black, brown indigenous, a queer, mm -hmm. yep. it was very important for me to find them because maybe, you know, it's just a matter of us deciding to give people the opportunity to make their contribution because it's not about me like getting a black musician to play, 
no, it's me getting a musician who is phenomenal to play on my album. Mm-hmm. And that musician happened to be a black woman or a black man mm-hmm. or a black person, you know? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, so um, it was very natural. It, was, it wasn't like something that I was, you know, like it has to be that way. Uh, but okay. also I was like, it has to be that way. Yeah. You know? Otherwise, yeah. was like, if you just talk the talk and you don't walk the talk, is that how you say? Walk the walk? Uh, walk, walk the, the walk, walk and talk the talk. And talk the oh. talk. Yeah, you know? I think so. So I had yeah. to talk the talk. Yeah. I just walk the walk. Oh, walk the walk. No, yeah, yeah, it was talk to talk and walk the walk. That's the one. (laughs) No, but that's for real because um, people often think about that and think, oh, it's reverse racism or whatever. But it's that's, first of all, stupid. Um, Second of all, if you don't deliberately um, try to fix the issue, then it never gets fixed. Yeah, or even deny that it's an issue. Or deny, yeah. A lot of people just deny, a lot of people say, oh, what's was they talking about what it's Bruno Gabinot talking about you know there's no problem like mm-hmm. no there is there is a problem the problem is that a lot of people just have you know white culture as their default mm-hmm. the culture meaning they want everything to be reflected as what they see in the mirror mm-hmm. so you know they want to be seen as the default, mm-hmm. you know, even if they don't know. They don't know. No, it's something that's that's subconscious. Actually, I was going to ask you that. So in Brazil, um, is black considered the default? At least in Bahia, anyway. Is in Bahia specifically is is black considered the default? Yes and no. So okay. that is the cruelty of it. The 87% okay. of the population is black. Yeah. Uh-huh. But everyone is kind of trying to become the default, which is white. Okay. So we have the people who are light skinned like me, you know, mm-hmm. and a lot of people in Brazil don't consider me black, mm-hmm. you know, but I have always considered myself black. Mm-hmm. There's no question. But I also, I experienced what is to be black way more here than in Brazil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, because if you're light skinned, you can pass. People can give you a pass. So people can give you a better job than they would give it to someone who is darker than you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So it's yeah. about that. It's about people trying to get ahead of life. And that's something that I also want to mention about my uh, grandfather my great-grandfather yeah my mom's grandfather yeah my mom's grandfather he i heard this from my aunt my mom's older sister yeah then my grandfather my great-grandfather he hated black people and he was uh-huh. black. i didn't I... <laughs> but how how like horrible is that that you you know you are very pretty much hating yourself. Yep. But it's because you are trying to res- like fight for your life pretty much. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're distancing yourself from a reality that you think it's not your reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. protection mechanism. It's a protection. Yeah. Yeah. Resistance. Yeah. To yep. protect yourself. Mm-hmm. People don't necessarily understand how white supremacy, like it's it's not necessary. It's not just like going after white people. It's like it's a whole ideology that black people, everybody, uh, falls victim to uh, and is guilty of. Uh, it's it's interesting how that plays out. Um, like for for us, it was interesting because the change is. So in Bermuda, black is kind of the default. So if you say, oh, there's a, I saw a guy down the street, they automatically assume it's a black guy. But like they would all always highlight if it was some other race, like, oh, it's a white guy or it's an Asian guy or whatever. Um, and then I came here and it was complete opposite. 
in uh, Nova Scotia. So it's like now everyone always has to say, oh, it's a black guy, it's this guy, it's that guy, <laughs> you know, um, very, very, uh, very interesting. I'm surprised that, uh, well, actually, I'm not as surprised because I've seen mostly this play out in the States where uh, folks who um, identify as Latin American or in some way, it does seem like this this balance of trying to connect more with the European history than than the the African history that is and, and indigenous history that that is yeah. is in there. Yeah. Yeah, there is an American writer, Isabel Wilkinson. Um, I think the book that she talks about this is called Caste. Mm -hmm. She talks about the caste system, and there's a chapter there where she's talking about Africa and how in Africa you don't have black people because black is the default, yeah. you know? But then when you go to America or here or Brazil, you have black people because white is the default. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because white is what people aspire to be. Yeah. You know? And for me, that is very like, it's, it's very much like my awakening, you know, when I realized that I am not the default. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so i'm gonna get people upset because i'm not the default and i like yeah. that yeah <laughs> so um uh this is a, a question that i like to ask a lot of people on the show that i know is hard to to answer for people like us but what is it that you actually do for fun outside of your creative endeavors Gosh, I would say I go for a lot of walks. That's okay. like the most fun thing that I do. I go to the gym. Um, and that's pretty much it. Like, I have a very boring life, you know? And I think that's why I do what I do artistically mm -hmm. and career-wise. Because my life is very boring. I'm usually like... <laughs> home writing baking yeah, right not writing but watching baking shows or rupaul's drag race okay okay <laughs> that type of stuff <laughs> and that's it we go hang out with friends in the summer because you know canada you want to have four months of life and then that's yeah got to take advantage of it when you have it <laughs> yeah. exactly but that's pretty much it yeah so you mentioned bossa nova quite a bit is that one of your influence like I'm not sure what what is that exactly. So bossa nova is like a music style derived by from samba, so was inspired by samba. And yeah. samba is prior to bossa nova. It was created in Brazil by black people in the favelas of Bahia and Rio, okay. uh, which is pretty much about writing very sad, melancholic lyrics to very happy and jolly music rhythms okay. and then bossa nova took that and mixed with cool jazz and jazz from the u.s on acoustic guitar so it's basically uh created invented by a white man um, the father of bossa nova who died mm. three almost three years ago john Gilberto. he is the father of bossa nova so I am inspired by it because actually it belongs to me, you know? So when I say I'm inspired by Bossa Nova, I'm just taking what it's, what's mine, you know? Uh -huh. Got you, got you. Is it's there very soft, a... it's very soft and chill. Yeah. Type of music, like my vocals. Uh-huh. Yeah, actually that's kind of like the, the vibe that I get from the album too, it's like, for me, it feels like something I could zone out to paint, maybe start to do some painting, do some some creative work. That's that's kind of the zone it took me. And I don't understand the language. So so that that makes a difference. Uh, but um, I did I did see some of the trans translations and uh, used uh, some phrases that I, I like with golden lips and stuff like that. I was like that that. Uh, um, it's something I hadn't really heard before. Uh, is generally the the um, 
the tone of the music is it sort of romantic or or is it more mystical i would say it's both especially okay. for this album there's a mystical element okay for it in the lyrics in the themes as well but it is a romantic album it's okay. meant to be well the beginning of it is about how you relate to your past in order to live your present you know mm. you don't avoid the past you celebrate the past and then from that celebratory type of idea idealism pretty much i go to um from pain grief to love and then it becomes more romantic so let's mm. say the opening is not the romantic um track it's more of a protest political kind of song and then mm. from there it becomes more of a, a storytelling you know there's a tale that navigates through the album for the themes so it is mis- mystical because the, the those elements of afro um brazilian candomblé you know the religion that was invented founded by the slaves by year so all those elements are there you know intertwined with the story of love and pain that I was telling you from the beginning. Mhm. Mhm. Cool. That's um, very gay. It's also very gay just to make sure. <laughs> I don't forget this. Like I'm not writing about a love story between a man and woman, you know. Yeah. It's very queer. Um and I hope that people can relate cuz I related to a lot of the straight songs that are, you know people push up on me yeah um, when I was growing up and I'm not straight so I think people will be okay listening to those songs yeah i i'm going to turn queer <laughs> if you listen to them i i hope i hope uh um people are are more involved in that but you know you, obviously we have seen that a lot of folks are not evolved past uh that way of thinking um but yeah i don't know like i said i i for me just not being a portuguese speaker i was just like the the melodies and and your voice and the, and the, just the way it's produced for me it i'm getting something from it so nice nice <laughs> i hear the people people like to uh cook listening to my music interesting people like to drive listening to my music people like to study paint listening to uh-huh. my music um people like to write scripts listening to my music and people like to have sex and consider kids listening to my music so <laughs> i don't care whatever you do just listen to it you know yes. it inspires you any way that it's my job is done mhm yes so what um you you said what you've been been watching i don't watch uh, drag race but i've heard a lot of folks talk about it who's your favorite uh, queen on there so there was which i just watched the finale yeah. of the season of season 13 or 14 14 maybe 14 yeah and it was alright huh. uh, i like i like the one that won um okay willow willow peel okay um i really i like i think she she deserved to win um but i really like simone which was the queen of last season ah season okay okay team the one that won a season simone you know black excellence mm-hmm. and i think it was the most memorable i think of all of them that i watched all the seasons that I watched prior to that one. Mm. That that fan base for that show is very um I don't know how to put it but passionate. It's big. It's passionate. Yeah. <laughs> people take it serious. People get mad when uh certain people get eliminated or uh certain drama happens on the show. It's <laughs> So let me rephrase it. I loved all of them. <laughs> I think they're all winners. They all deserve to win, you know. And yeah, at the end of it, you know, it's a it's a show celebrating 
queer people. And mm-hmm. I think I understand queer people to, you know, who don't watch it, or people who don't like it. Mm-hmm. It took me a long time to get into it, actually. Um, but then once I got into it, I think like four years ago, I watch, I binge watch all of them. Mm. You know? And it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's nice it- to have a show like that. Yeah, um, I, I, from what I gather, it seems like uh, if you like creativity, it, it's also probably one of those things because there's a lot of genius in what they do. They're performers, they're, cost, they're come up with costumes, their makeup. There's a lot of creative stuff that they're doing that like is just mind-blowing. Yeah, like, try, like even for me, like, I can't do what they do. Mm-hmm. Like I am very much about costumes and being like extravagant on stage it takes a lot and it's expensive and you know and it's time consuming yeah i'm so mind-blowing when i watch it and when i see what drag queens can do because it's also it is a political act that's one thing that people should not forget like being a drag queen it is a political act Mm -hmm. the first element of it is politics Mm -hmm. don't forget you know, and even like, you know, I would say being a drag queen is close to, very close to seeing what Black Lives Matter did in Toronto in 2016, walking down the street and stopping, you know, pride, sitting and demanding that, you know, we should be heard, that we should mm. be given the opportunities. You know, a drag queen is walking it's intersects you know we are intersecting the fight is intersecting with the fight of black people indigenous people you know and mm-hmm. when i see a queen who is black a drag queen who's black i'm always wondering you know like how challenge the the level of uh challenging has been you know placed upon that person to get to where she is yeah must be crazy yeah 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 the level of acceptance the level of uh to be able to get to that level of expertise you you must have had to express that outwardly in a way to upset people around you in some way and even to express it too because as you know like you know um when you are black and queer it is Probably, I would say it is more challenging than if you're white, you know? I think so. From what I, definitely from my experience and from what I've heard as well. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it's, I, I, I don't, you know, I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but from my interpretation of it is almost like we have, we feel like, again coming back to what we perceive masculinity to be is like we have to be perceived as strong and um we perceive non-heterosexuality as weak and all this stuff we it, it it's all misogyny in some way too it's like anything that we perceive to be feminine is bad and anything we perceive to be this way and we have to like um you know it's all those conspiracy theories about these things were existed to make uh, to take the power away from the black man so that they could uh, make us more docile. And it's just there are all these these insane theories uh, as to as to why. And I, I, I noticed like just with a lot of so like my friends that were gay, they, they didn't come out until after they were in their 20s or whatever. And I understand why, because it just wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been good for them. It just, it really wouldn't have been, you know. Yeah, like even, like, I, I came out when I was 28, probably. Okay. You know, to my family, but, like, officially. Yeah, yeah, publicly, yeah. When I was 28, I'm sure they knew, because uh, there's, you know, there are a lot of questions in bullying and, you know, like, forced to change me. So they mm-hmm. knew there was something there. But that I could speak about it and could confront it, say, yeah. you know, this is who I am. I pay my bills in this way I am. It was only when I was 28, already like living in Canada. 
And I do think the most sensitive you are, um, especially men listening to us right now, the most sensitive you are, the more opportunities you have in life, economically speaking, um, relationship speaking, friendships, the more sensitive, the more open you are, the more accepting of people you are, the less trauma you face. Mm. And trauma even, you know, related to when you like turn, I don't know, when you're like 30 years old or 40 years old and you look at your past and you see yourself working on a job that you hate, you know? And the reason why you're working on a job that you hate is because you haven't been given opportunities because people are telling you that you should hate gay people just to disrupt you, just mm -hmm. to make you a piece of the puzzle while they're making money, they're getting rich, exploiting you. Mm -hmm. You know? So it's just, for me, when I see it, when I see, you know, like heterosexual, straight people, straight men, um, being homophobic or transphobic or you name it. Mm -hmm. um, I just, a part of me feel sorry for them. Mm. I know that I shouldn't say this and I don't at the end of it. You know, another part of me just enjoys seeing people <laughs> failing life because of, you know, yeah. their hateful behaviors. But at the same time, listen, like you are, you are who you are because society has imposed a lot, a lot of bullshit on you. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're sensitive, when you open, when you accept people for who they are, you just live your life and you can be the most beautiful person that you want to be with. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't matter. If it's a woman, if it's a trans woman, if it's a man, if it's a trans, like it doesn't matter. It's just, just be yourself, just be happy and accept that people should be happy being who they are. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter if you think that it should be different. I am who I am and that's it. And you are who you are, and that's it. I respect yeah. you. And I'm actually really happy when I see like a straight couple. I know a lot of them, believe me or not. I know a lot of heterosexual people. Sure. Um, a lot of my family are. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm very happy when I see like love, when I see people in love, when I see people, you know, like getting married or, you know, in love in general. Like, mm -hmm. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. It frees you up, like when you're not walking around upset about what other people are doing, too. It's like, it's, you know? what are you what are you getting out of it what's the payoff it's not they don't seem happy <laughs> they definitely don't seem happy when they're doing that yeah. i know and they should wonder why they're not happy yeah and it's not because of the neighbor next door who is happy because they're gay yeah you know it has to do with you and your truth mm -hmm. and like like the less divided we are too like the you know the more change can happen it, the amount of leaders in the Black Lives Matter and not just Black Lives Matter, but civil rights in general that are from the LGBTQ plus community, it's like you you really don't understand how much these folks contribute to our universal liberation. Um, it's it's bizarre. Because it does yeah. intersect, you know, as mm -hmm. I said, like the more open, happy, sensitive, accepting you are, more money on your pocket. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. <laughs> listen, listen, it's all distraction, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a distraction. When people are trying to take the rights away from women or queer people, trans people, gay people, when they're trying to politically use religion to take their rights away from any group it's because there is a profit to be made you know yeah and just ask yourself is the money going into your pockets or into the pockets of a few white people <laughs> ask yourself the question and if you answer the question 
if the answer is it's not going to your pocket, just ask yourself, why are you going to be a soldier for anti-gay, anti-trans, anti-everything, mm-hmm. anti-abortion, anti-anything? Just live your truth. Yeah. I don't know much about God and Jesus because I, you know, as a queer person, I was denied that affection uh-huh. or that protection or that, you know, embrace from the church. But, but I understand that God and Jesus does, you know, do not hate anyone, or do no. not hate anybody, you know? That's so the that irony. Is, that's it. That's the yeah. irony and the hypocrisy too. Yeah. I mean, God, uh, Jesus died and was like you know on the cross with so-called criminals and uh had a friend that was a prostitute and like these but but yet these folks would try to tell you that you know these these other these people are bad and all these other kind of things and you can't associate with nah like jesus wasn't about that not no. not the jesus that I, i'm i've taught about anyway so. and jesus wasn't better than anyone was no he? no that's the person ask yourself was jesus better than anyone no 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 is it better than anyone right now no no yeah it doesn't want to be you know yeah that was never the point (laughs) it was never the point it was like this is this god made his son uh uh human so that he could relate I, i i at least i think you know, I'm, I'm not going <laughs> to sit there and claim to be the most religious person myself either, but I did spend a lot of time at Sunday school. Uh, and uh, in my interpretation of it was that's what it was. It was like he made him human so he could relate to us and and help us learn a few things and and, and grow. But uh, people have the thing with, with religion is that people can interpret it in, in so many different ways. And people have doubled down on whatever their interpretation is and demonize whoever interprets it a different way. And, you know, my, my whole thing is, it's like, let's just be open. Let's just have love. Uh, we can be who we are. And like you said, it's, it, it's not helpful to hate. We only hurt ourselves. We're taking money out of our own pockets. We're taking happiness out of our lives. Yeah. And even if you are, um, unable to help um, people because I know like we can't really demand that community the people who don't have much um, take money out of their pockets to help the neighbor the person sleeping on the street yeah you know that that should be up to the people who have money you know who have the power to change that to change that mm-hmm. but at the same time, if you can help someone close to you or someone sleeping on the street, that is one thing that you can do. And that thing is just don't hate anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Don't 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 go around saying that you are better because you know deep down you're not better than anyone else. Yeah. You know? yeah. I don't see myself better than anyone else and never did. Mm-hmm. And that for me, like, those are the principles that, you know, I learned being born and growing up in a country that was very religious. Mm. Even though, as I said, like, religion is not a part of my, my, like, everyday life. Mm-hmm. But I was born in a country that is still very religious. So I mm-hmm. learned from a young age that good, God is good. Mm-hmm. There you go. And if you do good, that's it. That's all you can do. Yeah. 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 So I'll, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, but uh, I have one big one that I like to ask folks. It's um, what piece of advice would you give someone pursuing music? I would say is hard. Uh, huh. Believe in yourself. If you think you have something unique to share, keep on sharing. Keep on doing 
what you are doing, if you're making music of it, and make sure that you believe that you're a pop star. Okay. <laughs> and that's it. Just believe it. One day, people will believe you're a pop star as well. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Indeed. So, uh, Bruno, thank you very much for doing Art Pays Me. Uh, if there's anywhere people can find you and um, how can we get the, the album? I know it's not quite out yet. Yeah, the album is going to be out next week, uh, okay. May 13th. You can find me on social media, Bruno, like B-R-U-N-O, like the movie, with double Bruno, and mm-hmm. Capinan, C-A-P-I-N-A-N. You can mm-hmm. find me on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Music, and... Yeah, that's it. Listen to the album. Let me know what you guys think. Tell me the stories of what happened to you when you're listening to it. And thank you very much for having me. Very nice talking to you. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Thank you very much again. And uh, I'll be in touch. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Art Pays Me. Thank you to Langy Beats for the theme music. You can find more of his music on YouTube. If you got anything out of this, Please rate, review, or leave a comment on whatever platform you're listening. You can find out more about Art Pays Me at artpaysme.com, or you can hit me up on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Clubhouse. I'm at Art Pays Me on all of those platforms. With that, we're out. Peace.